0: Uh, let's let's bow for prayer. L- Lord God ask you to guide this message and uh, thank you for your scripture, your word. Please apply it to our hearts and help us apply it to our lives. In Jesus name, amen. We are going over a series in trusting God and, and I just want to bring the light. Uh, Brant, I think, should be a great example of trusting God for us. When he gets up here to do community meditation, almost every time something happens like, oh, I can't find my... Well, I don't know, guys. I'm just going to have to say it from my heart. Or, or, oh, it won't work on my iPad. I'm just... I don't know. And, and, uh, or, oh, I forgot it this morning and I decided five minutes ago to change it. And every time I'm sitting there sweating, thinking, oh, poor Brant. I, I know what that's like. How can I help him out? You know, what, what do I do? And every time... Um, Something seems to work out just right, or come to him, and it's an impactful kind of a communion meditation to hit you square in the heart. And I don't know if you sweat that or not, but uh, if that's a good example. You just trust God, right? He'll work things out, no matter if we think they're going to happen or not. Uh, so trusting God, uh, he works through us. We're going to talk about specifically Joseph today. I know we we discussed Joseph a little bit um, a couple weeks ago, but we're going to pry into Joseph's life. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the, the chapter that we are working out of, verse 22 speaks directly about Joseph. It says, It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones With them when they left. He was confident. That Israel was going to leave Egypt. Uh, So confident he said. You can take my bones. With me when you go. Uh, Mark my bones. uh, You will leave Egypt. Now Joseph. A little bit of history here about Joseph. He was the son of Jacob. Not the only son. There were 11 others. But in particular, Joseph was a uh, spoiled son, right? He was Jacob's uh, favorite. He was daddy's favorite boy. Uh, He had this special coat that none of his other brothers did. Because the scripture says that that Jacob, uh, Joseph's daddy, loved him more than the others, and so he gave him this this beautiful robe to wear. So Joseph looked different than the others. His identity was the most loved one, the favored son. And so you can imagine that this probably uh, went to Joseph's head uh, just a little bit, maybe, or maybe a lot. His self-esteem was probably at least a little bit over-inflated. Well, one night, uh, Joseph, whom had his identity and he wore it around as his coat, uh, one night he had a dream. And uh, this dream was that there was bundles of grain. And some of the bundles of grain uh, represented his brothers and his family. And one bundle of grain represented him. And the rest of the bundles bowed down low to worship him. The bundle that represented him. Uh, And then he had a second dream. course, that first dream, he went and told his brothers and and, and his father, and I'm sure he was excited to tell them that. You know, he was the the cherished son, the loved one, and so he went and told them about that dream, and uh, I'm sure that didn't go over so well. And then Joseph had another dream. In this dream, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed before Joseph. Explain this to his to his siblings you you were those stars and you bowed to me see my coat I'm loved, this is my identity you're going to bow uh, to me as you can imagine uh, not popular with a family Joseph's brothers the scripture says Joseph's brothers hated him so uh Joseph was probably pretty excited to see his dream come true. Was like, man, I can't wait for the time when they will actually bow before me because they're not liking me right now. Um, family life isn't so well. Uh, so the faster we can get to this point to where everybody just bows to me and I rule over them, the safer I'll be, the better off I will be. So I imagine he wanted that to come true quickly. But our dreams don't always come true the same way or in the same time frame that we think they should or that we expect they should. I had a dream this week. It was Monday night. And I had this dream and woke up on on, on Tuesday morning. It was one of them dreams that uh, when you wake up, you're glad that it was a dream, that it wasn't true. And I have these dreams fairly often. The, this time, um, the dream <coughs> was about about Les falling through a ceiling. And so I thought, I, I better do something about this. And so I, uh, I sent Les a message. say, said, hey Les, don't go up in the attic today. Um, and, and then I tried to call him and I couldn't get a hold of him. Um, until later on that that evening when he finally came in and and seen the message or seen the uh, caller ID that I had called him. He didn't get my message. He called me back and he said, what's going on? I, I, I told him, well, my dream was that, uh, w- you know, we were up in the attic, Les, uh, and, and I seen you walking around uh, in between the joists and you fell through the, the ceiling onto the floor down below, and I was running, trying to get to you, but I couldn't really get to you. This is one of those dreams. You're trying to run. And you just can't get very far. And uh, Les was hurt down downstairs. He'd fallen through. And uh, Les said, oh, uh so that, that's interesting. And then I said, Les, I prayed for you that that wouldn't happen. That didn't happen, did it? He said, no, no. Uh, I was working in the garage. and I got into some dust that made me sick. Uh, but I'm all right now. So I scratched my head a little bit. I'm glad that didn't that didn't happen the way my dream did. Maybe it was because of the dust that made Les sick. Maybe that's what it was. And God wanted me to pray for him or warn him about that. And uh, then I went on about my life Les went on about his life, uh, just passed it off, probably, probably the way it was, um, until uh, Friday. And my phone buzzed, and I pulled it out. It was from Les, and this picture was on my telephone. <coughs> so, a few days later, you can see where Les's foot... Was standing, I think, on that piece of ceiling material, and he pert near went through the ceiling of his grot. Now I have no idea what Les was doing in the ceiling after, you know, but uh, but he said there was a board there, and the board was just in the right spot to where when he fell through that thing, he caught himself. Now must have must have hurt a little bit, and <coughs> and then got yourself back up. But anyway, he did not fall through to the concrete on the ground below. Um Praise God, because Les is here with us uh today um now, now, back to joseph uh, here he is in his beautiful coat, his coat that is his identity, a loved one, a cherished one he 's going to do well because uh, his father loves him and and he feels like he's important he 's got this identity that The favorite. And oh, the dreams to confirm it. I'm going to rule over my family. The the sun and the stars and the the moon will bow to me. But the brothers had had enough. They didn't want any more of this. Their little brother talking uh, such nonsense. So they plotted to kill him. So Look, this is what we'll do brothers plotted to take him out. Except for one brother. Uh, One brother who, uh, by the way Reuben, um, his name is Reuben. So yesterday you told me he was named after a sandwich. Um, I think probably you're named after this brother here in the Bible in the Old Testament because he was like, wait a second. Wait a second. You brothers, you know, all the brothers were angry at Joseph as they want to kill him. But one brother said, "Uh, ooh, I've got an idea. Uh, Instead, let's throw him, let's throw Joseph into a well and then uh, leave him there to die, um, and it won't be on our hands, right? Well, secretly, Reuben um, had the plans. Later, I'll come back, and I'll pull Joseph out and save his life, right? So that's what Reuben wanted to do with his brother. He had a little bit of compassion. Um, So (coughs) here they are, though. Um, Either way, they wanted to be done with Joseph. They wanted to strip Joseph of his identity one way or the other. Didn't like Joseph's identity. Genesis chapter 37 uh, verse 23 says, So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Here's the scene. The brothers are out in the field. Jacob, Joseph's dad, sends Joseph out to help him. And Joseph is coming along not knowing anything is going wrong. He's got his coat. And all of a sudden, the brothers grabbed a hold of that coat, stripped it off of him, took his identity, and threw him in the well. Boy, he's surely going to die now. Imagine what he was thinking. Life is done. I don't know what them dreams meant, but they aren't happening right now. Just then, a caravan of traders came by. Whether it's through compassion in, in the uh, brothers' hearts a little bit maybe, or, or maybe just a chance to earn some money, the brothers sold Joseph as a slave rather than leaving him there. Joseph was probably thinking, well, this is not what I expected. Not my identity, not what I've been dreaming of. Brings us to our first point. Stripped of identity, but saved from death. Joseph was stripped of his identity, but he was saved from death. He was a favorite son. You know, there's a lot of pride there. Sometimes we get proud. And we are proud of ourselves or what we've done. Or or proud of others or our family. And and that pride wells up and, and we tend to forget God in the equation. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. When you start feeling proud, it's only a matter of time before you are surprised by fall. Life is surely to surprise you if you get too proud. And it's never a fun experience. It's uh, it's never good to be stripped of your identity when it is fully in yourself. Joseph had dreams of the future. We have Our way, and then there is God's way. A lot of scriptures talk about this. We can make decisions, we can make plans, but then there is God's plan, and God's plan is what matters. Last night I went to a a, uh, winter banquet for our homeschool sports co-op, and awards were given, and one of the most memorable things about last night for me was that... uh, uh, one of the the, the grandpa's of the the kids that were playing um, he's he's the guy who got to do the announcing um, he did he, he was a, the sports commentator so they live stream the games for those of us who can't make it to every game out of town um, they will live stream on Facebook and you get to watch it. and so this fella he he uh, commentated it was really helpful for a guy who doesn't know much about basketball like me so I get to hear what's going on and he tells me what's going on well he got up to speak last night <clears throat> they called him up to thank him for his service in that. and he said you know when i was a kid i had this dream of being a a sports commentator an announcer and well he didn't get to do that uh, he grew up and, and took another job and actually he became a pastor and he was a pastor in Yates center for uh, many, many years. And then he retired a couple of years ago. So he is this retired old man. And uh, all of a sudden, the opportunity to do his dream so many years ago came up. And he's getting to do it uh, you know, uh, several times a week to announce the games of this. And really love this. That is a very touching moment. You know, sometimes God has a way for us, and uh, we don't often know what it is dreams of the future. 1 Peter verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 6, says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. At the right time. We don't have the right time. We can make choices. God has the right time, and He knows when that time is. We need to align ourselves with His time and be understanding of that. Joseph's situation made him recognize his need for God. He needed God because he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it himself. It wasn't going to work out the way he thought it was going to work out. And this is what Matthew chapter five verse three um, talks about when it says, "Poor." God blesses those who are poor. And realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Poor, recognizing our need. Is isn't just being uh, not having money or not having things, but to recognize, we don't have what it takes to live a life to get to heaven. We don't have what it takes to be perfect and to do all things unless we are doing all things through Christ. We need to recognize our need for Him. And I bet Joseph, after he was stripped of his identity, seriously thought about this. Because we see that the things that happen in his life, well, we see blessing through his choices and the way he worked. We should strip off our worldly identity. We all get a worldly identity at some point or another. It's just one of those temptations that uh, plagues us. Colossians, uh, in chapter 3, says, Strip off your old sinful nature. Strip it off. And all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Be renewed after you strip it off. Now, don't just take off your coat and put on another one. That is... Uh, well, don't just strip off your coat and not put on another one. That's, that's a way for... Um, for, for something to come in to take you over again. One of the things that uh, I've learned from Larry, and you probably uh, learn this as well, is he always say, if you get rid of sin, you have to replace it with light, with Jesus. Because if you don't, then something is going to come back in, and the, the, the evil one is constantly trying to occupy that space. You can't leave a void space. So, Strip off your sinful nature and put on the new nature, a new coat, a new identity. I'm loved by God. I am His child. Hey, a quote that I, that I like, and I can't remember who said it, uh, but uh, it's a good quote. It's, a smart person learns from their mistakes, but a wise person learns from others' mistakes. Well, how much could we benefit? Uh, our our learning curve could be exponentially greater if we could learn from others' mistakes, and with that comes wisdom. And that's the way it should be. If if you had to make make every mistake, and, and that's the only way you learn to make it yourself, you'd be in rough shape. Some some people it seems like they do that, and. Uh, we can learn from that. I think they would want us to learn from that. God's purpose uh, for the future is to lift us up. That's part of the First uh, Peter verse in chapter five, um, verse six. It says, "As at the right time, at the right time, He will lift you up in honor." So, Joseph's future—he stripped of his identity now, sold. To some traders, and uh, you know, sent off to another another place to to Egypt, and he gets bought by an Egyptian officer named Potiphar, and Joseph just uh, you know works hard to do what he needs to do. He does what is what is a, his his uh, master tells him to do, and works his way up to where he's. Uh, second in control of Potiphar's house only second to Potiphar Potiphar's house and all of his things that are going on there are going well because Joseph is doing such a good job managing Potiphar's house nothing that, every, everything is going well except for one thing See, Potiphar has a wife Potiphar's wife is not as cool as, as, as Potiphar seems to be Potter's wife has a lust desire after Joseph. And she uh, wants him, and so she puts herself in situations to get Joseph. She sets a trap to get Joseph so that she can have her way, fulfill her lustful desires. And Joseph is intentionally staying away from her. Right? Good example for us. He intentionally stays away. He removes that situation. He's not all prideful and not all thinking, hey, look who I am anymore. He's like, uh, let me just go around that situation. Until one day, there's nobody at home. Nobody in Potiphar's house except for Potiphar's wife. And Joseph has some work to do and he goes in and he walks into a trap. As he's walking through, something gets a hold of his robe. Sound familiar? It happened to him when he was younger. He had this beautiful robe when he was younger, and now he's got a different robe. A robe that looked a little different. Maybe it wasn't so much of his identity, but he had worked hard for this robe that probably uh, Potiphar gave to him. And now he's about to be stripped of it again. She grabs hold of it. Sin grabs hold of his robe. And Joseph has a choice. He can stay in his coat and get consumed by sin. Or he can slip out of it. Strip it off of himself and get away. Save his own life. Joseph doesn't have time to think too much. And he didn't need it. Because that's exactly what he did. He stripped it off. And he ran out of there. Took off. And got away from that situation. We're grateful for his example in here. Uh, now Potiphar came home. And his wife made up this, uh, this story. About uh, what had happened. And so um, she blamed it on Joseph. And Potiphar was angry. and Potiphar took Joseph and threw him in prison. I probably would have executed him. If he would have believed. That that he did actually what his wife said he did. Um, But he didn't execute him. He just put him in prison. And and fast forward a bunch of years. And uh, Pharaoh of Egypt has a dream well, who's going to interpret this dream? Joseph's had some history with dreams, but he's in prison. But it turns out, Joseph was interpreting dreams of the prisoners. And one of those prisoners got out and was working for Pharaoh now. And Pharaoh is distraught. I don't know what it means. One of the prisoners that was with Joseph said, hey, I spent some time down in the slammer with a guy who uh, interpreted my dream correctly. And so his name was Joseph. Pharaoh's like, okay. Send him to me. And he does. And uh, Joseph correctly interprets the dream. The dream's one of my favorite dreams in the Old Testament. So there's uh, seven fat cows on the bank of the Nile. Seven skinny cows come up out of the Nile. Nile's not that big of a river, but seven skinny cows come up and they eat the fat cows. And it's a great dream. You should read about it in Genesis, in <laughs> Exodus. But the, the, the thing of it is, is that uh, Joseph correctly interpreted the dream to mean that there will be seven years of famine, and or seven years of good, and then seven years of famine. They needed to save up uh, food during that time to get them through those years. Um, this is, uh, this dream is the reason that Joseph is promoted into a position with Pharaoh. And because of he correctly interpreted the dream, now Joseph is uh, in an excellent position in all of Egypt. He was promoted. So our second point here is stripped of sin, saved to serve. Joseph had to strip himself of the sin and not get caught up in it. And because of that, he wasn't executed, he was saved so that he could serve. He was in a position now in Egypt to serve lots and lots of people serving a great capacity his robe that was ripped from him represents the sin that can entangle us we all have the sin in our lives that creeps up on us and, and wraps its hands around our robes and our identity and tries to entangle us and trap us we need to strip that off. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. This is uh, this verse is so much what what Joseph was dealing with is here or with here. The idea of stripping off a weight that slows us down. Uh, just recently, I got to wear some armor that a uh, military guy would put on, and um, <clears throat> it had plates inside of it, and it, it feels kind of cool. You got these uh, armors. it's really heavy, but I can't imagine a military man um, running with that with that armor on and running for their life. Is so is I don't know how much it weighs. It felt like is at least thirty pounds, but it would save your life and. That's why they train. When they train, they train with, with these weights on them, with their vets on them, so you'll be that much stronger. But listen, when you've got the wrong kind of weight on, the kind of weight that's not going to save you, the kind of weight that is sin, that is meant to hold you back and weld you to the world, to the ground, you need to strip that off because it is going to slow you down. This is the sin. God has a race for us to run set it before us the sin here the, the Greek word for this in the situation of Joseph and Potiphar's wife is, is a missing God and the ultimate purpose that God has intended for our lives God has a purpose intended for every single one of our lives everybody has a purpose God already knows that purpose you may not know it but He does. And He wants you to live that out. Don't miss it. So we can give our lives to Christ. Ask for forgiveness. Great. Excellent. That That is, that is superb. And that's exactly what we need to do. There's more on the other side of that. Because God has that intended purpose. Live it out. We need to be in communion with God. Discussing with Him. Hey, what is your intention for my life? I, I don't know what it is now, but, but I'm ready to do that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And then the first verse of chapter 4 is, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Can you imagine Joseph being stripped of his coats both times? What did he have to look forward to? Well, the first time he was in a well. He's going to die. And then he was sold as a slave. Oh boy. Not a good future. The second time he was stripped of his rope. Uh, He was in jail, in prison. It doesn't look so good. But for some reason, it would seem that Joseph focused on what lied ahead. What laid ahead. What lies ahead. He was able to uh, stay going, to persevere, and then to be used by God after that. Uh, Struggle in our lives, builds character. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, tells us this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. This is good news for us. We often have a lot of troubles, a lot of difficult times, but... The endurance is what it's going to get, uh, give us the chance to grow. Romans uh, chapter 5 verse 3 and 5 it also says this in a different way and it's really good. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I think about the person who runs a race or a strength trainer. He doesn't sit at home after a tough workout and think, oh, my muscles are sore. It's going to be no good. I'll never be able to use them again. Um, I can't work out again because it hurt me. No, he's like, that hurt, but tomorrow it's going to be a little bigger, a little stronger. And, and you know that that uh, that difficulty, that th- those problems and the trials, we know that they help us in develop, uh, develop endurance, and strength of character, and, and confident hope of salvation, it won't lead to dis- disappointment. It all leads us to where God wants us to be to do His work. Ephesians chapter four verse twenty-two says, "Throw off." Your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Again, Joseph, throw off. He had that jacket or his robe um, when he was working for Potiphar and it was caught up in that trap. He's like, who cares about the code anymore? Leave it behind. It was once important to me, but I'm getting out of here. Throw it off. If it's going to destroy you, pull you down, get rid of it. No lust and deception. Um, Instead, be renewed by the Spirit. Joseph won that battle. He was victorious. And while he suffered a little while in prison, that was the first thing that happened after that, God used it to mold Joseph into a leader that God could use. In, in Egypt, there was a famine coming. Famine is coming. And it's going to destroy Egypt except Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. When Pharaoh heard Joseph's interpretation, Pharaoh was scared. He was afraid. This. This is not good my, my whole kingdom seven years of famine but he trusted Joseph in his character and uh Genesis chapter 50 verse 19 through 21 says but Joseph replied don't be afraid of me am I God that I can punish you you intended to harm me but God intended it for all for good he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Through that, uh, Egypt was, was saved from those seven years of famine. Joseph wouldn't have been able to serve his people in Egypt through saving them from the famine if he had stayed inside of that rope if he hadn't slipped off out of it stripped it off he wouldn't be able to do that to save Egypt if we folks if we stay in our sin we're not going to be able to serve God and others in the way God wants us to I beg you strip off your sin and hand it over to Jesus Jesus Take up your new nature and start working and living in the life-giving way that God has planned for you. Stripped of sin and saved to serve. Our third point for today and last point is stripped of flesh, saved forever. Listen guys, none of this matters if we don't have Jesus. And not just have Jesus, but can personally, publicly, and confidently proclaim that Jesus is God, and always was perfect, and did take, died to take the sin um, of those who accept Him, and lived again here on earth, and lives in heaven, so that we can get through the chasm between here and heaven. I, I say ch- chasm. What? What's chasm? <clears throat> It's like a space between uh, where you are and where you want to get to. It's it's a, a thing that prevents the travel to there. Um, we can think of it in in a little bit different way. Maybe maybe a filter. Uh, just recently, my dad bought this fancy filter for water. It's probably it's probably a good idea. You never know what's in your in your water. So he bought this this filter system to filter all the bad stuff out of water so that when you drink it. Um, you will have fresh water. Now, filters are good. You can pour in some seriously seriously bad water and out the bottom comes fresh water. And so it seems like uh, seems like, you know, Jesus is a filter that although we have to get through to to let all our sins off, and once we get through the filter Jesus, then we can go to heaven. But the problem with that Illustration is, is that filters? Oh, they aren't. They aren't perfect. You ever read those filters in water? It says guaranteed to filter out ninety nine point nine percent of all of whatever. Um, ninety nine point some percent. They don't filter filter out everything. So I don't think Jesus is like a filter. But you know, the only way that I know of to get Pure water, 100% pure water, is to distill it, to uh, evaporate it, turn it from a liquid into a gas, and then into a liquid again. Perfect liquid this time. All the imperfections were left behind when it was, when it was turned from that liquid To a gas. Now, stick with me here. Here on earth, we are stripping off sin and and doing our best to be like Jesus, right? Stripping that sin off, um, doing what we can, what He's told us to. But the magic, if you will, the magic happens in the transfer of the physical to spiritual, the earthly to heavenly, the temporal to eternal it's kind of weird to think of people being distilled of, of, of that happening to us uh, but you know we've got to leave this body behind to get to heaven the thought of our sin um, being uh, being separated from us we have to turn to something you know death the thought of that is Is not comfortable. But. The process of distillation. That's what happens. But wait. Scripture says. That we can't. We can't be free from sin. Here on earth. Right. Even though. It's always. uh, It's always plaguing us here. um, And we won't be totally free from it. Until we. Um. We won't be totally free from it until we are distilled, or get to heaven. The the magic part, uh, since we aren't we aren't free from our sin completely, happens through Jesus. Jesus's distillation works for us. See, he went to a cross. As he was going to that cross, I think in this. This is going to hurt. This is gonna, he carried all of our sin. All of our sin there. Not only did he have uh, just one person's sin, because he didn't have any sin of his own, but if we were to pay for our sins, it would hurt. That's an understatement. Jesus had everybody's sin. And he had to be separated from that sin. And so he went to the cross... And He was separated from all of our sin as He hung on that cross and died, uh, leaving it behind, leaving it in hell where it need to be when He left His body, was stripped of His flesh, and came back to earth in His, new, in his uh, body that we could see, and then ascended to heaven in His heavenly body. He stripped it all off, And saved us forever. Joseph said in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22. I know that you guys are going to leave Egypt. Israel you're going to leave Egypt. You can count on it. And take my bones with you when you go. That's how sure I am. Folks, we must be like Joseph and be confident that we will leave this place. Now, that's not the the hard part, you say. We're we're all going to die, right? Guaranteed, we're going to leave this place. Uh, But that's not all. That we will go to a better place. Listen, guys, we're going to a better place. It's not going to be anything like this. It's going to be better. And we are going to go there. Can we be confident of that? Absolutely. Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 11, verse 13 through 16. We've already uh, studied this in past past sermons. I'm going to read it to you right now. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for something better, a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God for He has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for us and in that we can be confident. We are going to a better place. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 verses verses 1 through 10. Uh, it just does this so well talking about how confident we can be in closing let me read these words to you. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down that tent is when we die, that tin is our body, when we die, we leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself, and not by human hands. Oh, we grow weary in our present bodies. We long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on our heavenly bodies, and we will not be spirits without bodies. We will live in these earthly bodies or why we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God Himself has prepared us for this as a guarantee He has given us the Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, We are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done. In this earthly body, Joseph said with confidence, We're not going to be here forever, guys. Things might be bad. Well, it's not going to be that way forever. Things might be good for you right now. It's not going to be that way forever. It's going to be much, much better. We are going to a better place. Joseph was stripped of his identity but he was saved from death. Are you okay with being stripped of your identity if it means being saved from eternal death? Joseph, uh, he stripped himself of, of sin. And because of that, he was saved so that he could serve. Are you ready to strip off the sin that slows you down? Uh, So you can be saved to serve those around you and to serve your God who created you. Jesus was stripped of his flesh so that we could be saved forever. Do you accept that? Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for what you did for us in, in giving your son so that he could take all of our sins away so that we could be with you in heaven Lord we pray that you would help us to make the decisions that it takes to be an example of you to others here on this earth and we look forward to doing your work Lord, confidently knowing that all of it is so that we can see you in heaven in that, that better place